know, we're going to stick with the theme about children today. So let's put up uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. It's not our main text, but I want to read this to you. See how very much our Father loves us, and he calls us what? His children. See, we're going to talk today about the importance of being like a child. Not being childish. There's parts of being a child, parts about a child that, that we have to work on, right? For those who have kids. Um, but then there's parts of being like a child that it's a good thing that we can learn from. Ephesians 5.1 tells us this. It says to be imitators of God in everything we do because we are his, what? Children. Because we're his children. And I want you to think about this as we talk through our message today. Is we need to, be, we need to start seeing ourselves more as children. I know that sounds crazy. I'm not saying as immature, but I'm saying as children. We are children of God. We are children. We belong to the creator of the world. He's our father. He takes care of us. He does all this stuff. We're his children. You know, when Chase was younger, my middle son, when he was younger, he was running around the church one day, and somebody told him, they said, hey, don't run. And he looked at him and said, uh, my dad owns the church. That's what he said. And I was like, first of all, that's not even true. Second of all, you shouldn't be running. But you know why he said it? Because he's like, the guy who's up there every week, that's my dad. So in his mind, because he was my son, he felt like he could do whatever because I'm in charge. You know, that's the kind of thing. But what if, what if we live life thinking, you know, my father is the creator of the world. That he's, that I belong to him. And that we would see value in that. To think, okay, if, if my father can create the world just by speaking, what can he do? What else can he do? Anything. He can do anything. I belong to him. That's where my value is. See, your value is in that you're a child of God. Your value is not in what you do. Yet, yeah, that's what we want to talk about all the time. You know, when you, when you meet somebody or when you, especially, pastors are the worst at it. You go to a pastor's conference, oh, man. They're going to tell you everything they're doing. And, and, and not that that's bad, but if we're not careful, we start getting value in that. And you know where your value is? It's in who you are. You're a child of the creator of the world. That's who you are. You belong to him. Romans 8, 14 through 16 says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we're God's children. See, the spirit of God affirms in us where our value should be. It affirms in us that we're children, that we're children of God. Now look at... Uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 13 to 16, and I'm just leading you into where we're going today. So, One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering them. You know the disciples were human. Have y'all picked up on that? They, they, they didn't do everything right. You know, So even, even for us as children of God, as, as followers of Jesus, um, we're in good company. That even when we mess up, so the disciples. 
When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. And he said to them, let the children come to me. Now, I don't know how he said it, but I can imagine it was like, hey, let them come to me. Let them come to me. Don't stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. This is who the kingdom of God belongs to, people that are like these children. Not, not necessarily children, but people that are like these children. And that's what he says. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. If you can't receive the things of God like a child, you'll never enter. That's what he's saying. So what does it mean? And let's go to this main text now, Matthew chapter 18. Okay, we're talking about how God values children. He's saying, look, you got to enter into the kingdom of God like a child. That's what's important. Matthew chapter 18 says, about this time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, before we go to verse 2, I'm going to say this. You can leave verse 2 up there. That's fine. But in in Luke chapter 9, when the same story is being told, I believe it's around verse 46 or something like that, you can see where the disciples are having the same conversation. But what they're asking Jesus is who is the greatest of us? It's not a matter of who's the greatest. Like, is it Jesus? Is it you, Jesus? Is it this? They're, they're battling with who is the greatest. Like, because Jesus had just talked about the fact that he's, he's going to be dying and all this is going to be happening. And so it's like, well, who is the greatest? Who's the greatest? So it's very like, it's, we do that all the time. We always want to talk about who's the greatest, the GOAT, the greatest of all times, right? We talk about that, okay? We talk about that with, with sports teams, not just individuals, but even teams, well, who's the greatest team? Okay, so Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Super Bowl champs. Of course, they're the greatest team. Why would you question that? But there's all kinds of things that we're always in. Like, who's the best? Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? So they asked Jesus this question, and Jesus answers this. It says, he called to a little child. He called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. So when Jesus is asked by the disciples, who is the greatest? Who's the greatest? His response is to tell this little child, hey, come here. And this little child comes up, and he says, the one who turns from your sins, and you become like this. You become like a little child. That's the greatest. And then he talks about a child being humble like a child. So this week I was thinking through just some basic things about being childlike. Again, there's certain things that's childish. Okay, so... Don't, you know, there's certain things that, our, that children grow up doing and that, you know, they, they can throw a fit, they can do all that. That's not what I'm talking about. That's the childish part. But the childlike part where we can learn from them in a positive thing, in a positive way is what we're talking about. So he talks about being humble. We read this last week, 1 Peter 5, 6. It says, humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. So as a child... 
part of a child being humble is because they're they're not they're they're a little bit more okay with just being them. They're not trying to they're not trying to please everybody. Listen, you can dress your two year old kid up ugly as crazy. You can you can not match their clothes. Listen, when I was a kid, I wore boots with no socks, like cowboy boots, shorts, no socks. And, and, and I, it didn't bother me a bit. I would not do that today, right? I care a little bit more about what I look like than I did when I was two. But you got, but what I'm saying, what I'm saying by that is we learn to start trying to please people. We learn to start trying to fit in. We learn to start trying to look what others, to value what other people think more than what God thinks. And then all of a sudden, we, we tend to start living a life that if we're not careful, we can get to pleasing people. And we get to try to make ourselves look good. And we can get very prideful. We talked about that a little bit last week. But a child is just fine being who they are. They're just fine being a kid. You take these kids up here that were here just earlier. They're fine, just being a kid. That's they'll play. They'll I mean they're they're not trying to impress anybody. They're just being kids. And sometimes they do things you're like, why did you do that? I don't know. Because they're just they're just being them. So there's a place of humility of that you're not prideful, thinking more of yourself than you should, and and we need to learn from that. Here's another thing that I think is is important for us as kids. Kids are trusting. For that when they're young, they're trusting. I I always I always thought about this whenever I picked up my kids, any of them. Whether it's Meg, Chase, Zach, any of them. When I picked them up, they never they never grabbed hold of my neck really tight like you're going to drop me. I know you're going to drop me. Because there was a couple times where I could have just let go and they would have fallen straight down. Because they weren't holding on. You know why? Because they, they trusted. When you bring a little baby home from the hospital and it starts to grow, and, and even while they're still little, you're carrying them around. And you know what they're doing? They're playing with your hair. They're pulling your glasses off. They're doing whatever they want to do because they're not, so con- they're not concerned about you dropping them. They think I'm in the arms of my father or my mother or whoever, and I'm okay. And, and so they can go on and they can do things and they can, they can, you know, mess with whatever they want to mess with. And they know that they're still okay because they trust. They trust. Proverbs 3 tells us, it says, trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. Everything. You know what that means? Give God everything. And just know he's got you. Don't try to hang on. Don't try to figure it all out. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't put any weight on what you have and your own knowledge and abilities. But just trust in him with all your heart. That's, we, listen, we can talk about this. And the reason I said this is basic because these are verses that we've heard and that we've talked about. But if I was to ask you, how many of you, how many of you if you were to evaluate your life this last year, can say, I absolutely trusted God in everything? Not a lot of us. Because there's things that we have a tendency to still try to get our hands in because we still think somehow we can figure it out. But we got to learn to just trust. It's a, that's, a, that's not as easy as it seems. 
Because trusting means we're going back to humbling ourselves to say, God, whatever it looks like, it's up to you. See, when, we, when you fully trust God, you're not, you're not saying, God, I trust you to do this, but it needs to end this way. When you trust God, you say, God, I'm trusting you that you lead this journey. And, and, and it, it, at the end of this journey is whatever you say it is, not what I say it is. Because you can say, God, I thank you that you're going to give me that job. I think you're giving me that job. See, that's not you trusting God. That's you asking God to do what you want. That's not trusting God. God, I trust you. You're going to give me that job. Trusting and say, God, you're going you're gonna to take care of me. You're going to provide for me the right job. And you're going to lead me to it. And I trust you. And you might find that that job you were so excited about wasn't going to be there in three months. But the job that he brought you that he took you to is one that, that you have better benefits and it's, and it's long term and it's going to meet your needs and it's going to take care of you. See, we can get so caught up in thinking that we're trusting God when we're waiting for him to do what we want. But that's not trust. Trust is saying, God, I trust you as my provider and however you provide is fine. But I know you're going to provide because you're the provider, and I trust you. See, that's the difference. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 through 8. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water, and such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. In other words, when you trust in the Lord, it says their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. When you trust in the Lord, you have everything you need. When you trust in the Lord, you flourish. When you trust in the Lord, you thrive. You thrive. Because he's in charge. And you're just trusting in him. That's what, and, and kids are really good, especially when they're really young at trusting their parents and, and knowing that their parents are going to take care of them. And that leads us to the third thing. They're dependent. <laughs> Aren't they? They're dependent. How many of you have kids under the age of 10? How many of you have forced them to go get a job? Even though you may want to. So how do they eat? Where do they sleep? How do they get the things they need? How do they get school supplies? How do they get the stuff that they need? You know, you know how? Mom and dad. Parents, grandparents. They depend on you. Why do they depend on you? Because they can. At that young, at where they're at right now, they know. They lean in on you. Listen, my kids never, ever, have come to me and said, Dad, you promise you're going to feed me again next week? They never asked me that question. Dad, am I going to be able to sleep here tomorrow night too in our house? They never asked that question. You know why? Because they grew up knowing that mom and dad are going to take care of them. And when they get older 
and they get ready to go out on their own, we're going to teach them how to take care of themselves, and then they'll take care of their families. Because now my kids do work. Praise Jesus. They do work. And they're, and they're using their own money for things. But in that point of being like a child, it's like it's, they were dependent, I mean, they were trusting that we were going to take care of them. They knew that we, that we had them, that we would help sustain whatever they were, whatever life was for them. And uh, Psalms 54 verse 4 says this, but God is my helper. The Lord keeps me alive. Like he takes care of me. One translation says he sustains me. That's the God that we serve. Listen, does the Bible say that God is your provider? Yes. Does the Bible say he gives you hope? Does the Bible say that he gives you strength in your weakness? Does the Bible say that he is your healer? Does the Bible say that he's, he is your peace? Yes. Then why are we depending on us to try to figure out how to get all that? Why are we depending on ourselves to somehow work up hope, work up peace? We can depend that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. He gives us what he says he's going to give us. He's given us the Holy Spirit that produces peace and hope and joy. That's, that's what the Holy Spirit produces. And sometimes if we would be more dependent, sometimes being independent is not a great thing for you to say. I'm an independent man. Well, no wonder. That says a lot. No wonder you cranky. Because all you got is what you can do. But what if we're dependent? Dependent on God that when we go into a job interview or when we go into a, a first day of school or we go into a first day on the job or we go into a situation where we have to have this discussion or we go into this business meeting and, and we got to really, you know, do well at this. What if, what if we go in there knowing and depending that God will lead us? Listen, I can tell you, I have been in, in, in meetings where I was meeting with another pastor who was struggling. And I was like, God, I, they've been in ministry way longer than me. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. What am I going to do? I mean, I'd be like, yeah, man, I got nothing. That's what I was afraid of. It's like, I'm going to meet with these people, and, and they have so much wisdom and so much knowledge. And like, what am I going to say? And sometimes I would get nervous about it. Like, I'm just going to do what every good pastor would do when he doesn't know what to say. Well, let's just pray. Because that's a good thing to do. But you know what I found? That as I would listen, not just to what this pastor was saying, but at the same time, the Holy Spirit speaking to me, and all of a sudden I said things, and if I, if I could have, I would have stopped the whole meeting and said, bro, I, I got to write that down because that was really good, and I need to remember that for me. Because if we can depend on the Holy Spirit, then listen, if you're put in a situation that you don't even feel like you know how to do or qualified, but if God gives you the opportunity to minister to someone, he will equip you with everything you need to do it. You can depend on that. You can depend on God's faithfulness. You can. You can depend that he will be there for you. You can depend that he will, look, he will comfort you in your pain and in your hurt. And you can depend on that. 
you can lean on that. Remember when it says, trust in the Lord, do not depend on your own understanding. Do not lean on your own understanding. It means this. You lean on this. Listen, you don't lean on something that has potential to break underneath you. And he's saying, don't depend on you because you'll break. You'll miss it. You'll mess up. He's saying, depend on me because I'm solid. There is no breaking. There's no messing up. You'll have everything that you need. You'll have all the wisdom you need. Lean in. Depend on me is what he's saying. And as children, our, our, my kids, your kids, they depend on you. They depend on you. And they trust you. They trust you. Now, let's go to the next one. Here's the other thing we do. Is, um, you know what my kids did? They asked for help. When they needed something, they asked. If, listen, if, if, if I told them, hey, y'all can have a cookie, go ahead. Listen, if they can't reach it, I knew. I knew about it. Dad, I can't reach a star crunch. That's good, by the way. If you ain't had a star crunch, it's pretty tasty. It's like a Rice Krispie treat with some caramel and chocolate all over. It's, it's good. But listen, if, they, if you can't reach it, you ask for help, right? So if there's things that God has for us and we're like, man, I'm just not tapping into that. What do you do? Ask. Ask God for help. Kids know they need help. Now as they get older, sometimes they get more on that childish side where then they act like they don't. But early on, they tell you. How many times have you been doing something? Ma! Ma! In our house, man, that's, I don't know why they always yell ma. They're like, Mom, they needed help with something. And I'm like, Mom. And if Patty was you know, in the bedroom and I'm down at the bottom of the steps, I'm like, what do you need? Where's Mom? I'm like, she can't hear you. She stepped outside. What, what, what do you need? I need Mom. Why do you need Mom? I just need Mom. Then I go, I go get, I said, Patty, they need you. I don't know why. They need you. And then you come in and it's something like, do you know where? And I'm just like, you could have asked me that. That wasn't like a private thing between you and mom. You know? Do you know what six plus seven is? Like, you could have asked me. What do you think? I don't know anything. Like, it was all the time. I mean, simple stuff. I get it if it's like a question about mothering. Yeah, then don't ask your father. But it doesn't matter what it was. Just because I'm not as smart does not mean... I can't answer some questions. But anyway, they would ask. They ask. Your kids would do that. They needed something. Sometimes they still do it. And then there's a point where it's like, okay, you know, like my daughter's, <laughs> Dad, can you hand me that? And it's like right there. She'll call me in another room to hand her the drink that's over on the counter. Okay, that gets a little much. But you know what? As a loving father who spoils this little princess, I get her drink for her. You know, that's just how I am. All right. Psalms 121, verse 1 and 2. Here's what it says about when we ask the Lord for help. It says, I look up to the, to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from where? From the Lord. If that's where our help comes from, then where do we go? Where should we go when we need help? To the Lord, right? To the Lord. Hey, I'm, I'm gonna, I want you to just say these two words. Say, help me. Say it again. Say, help me. 
When's the last time you said that? Seriously. When's the last time you said to somebody, hey, help me? Or will you help me? Maybe that's a more polite way. Will you help me? You know what? We don't hear that a lot. Why? Because there's something in us that feels like we shouldn't ask for help. And God is saying, I'm your ever-present help in time of trouble. So if you're in a time of trouble, ask the Lord. Ask the Lord, what, what do I do? Ask him. Because he'll help you. That's, what, that's, what it's, that's why we got to just go to the Lord. That's why prayer is so important. Have you ever thought about how, how many decisions you make without praying? Think about that. How many decisions do you make without praying? You make tons of decisions every day. A lot of decisions. And a lot of those are decisions you make without prayer. And I'm not saying that, you know, Lord, what shirt do I wear today? I'm not saying I'm not saying go crazy with it, but I am saying there's so many decisions that you should you should pray about. Just because it opens the door for help. First Thessalonians 5, verse 17. Three words. I'm a, you, I want y'all to memorize this verse, okay? Ready? Let's, let's do it together. Never stop praying. All right, take it off the screen. All right, y'all ready? Let's say it together. See if you got it memorized. Ready? Man, y'all are good. Y'all got it. Just memorize scripture. Listen, don't stop praying. Don't stop. Ask for help. If you're struggling, get help. As a child, if a child falls down, what's one of the first things they do? Who are they looking for? Mama or daddy. Meg fell down one time and she was little. And she, she fell. I still laugh at it because she's, she is like, Patty is the kind, when we go out, if we, when we were little, we go outside, Patty would be the, like, dirty because she's just like, she's an outdoorsy girl. That's how she is. Meg, for some reason, she is a little bit more now, but she was like real, like, she didn't like dirt on her at all. Well, when she fell, she was screaming because her hands were dirty. That was the first reason she was screaming. But then it's, Mom or Dad. And the only way comfort comes is when Mom or Dad come and pick her up. The neighbor coming over was not going to do it. Some guy walking by jogging, oh, come here. No, it's not going to do it. You know the only thing that brought comfort was her mom or dad. As believers, the only thing that's really going to bring you comfort is when, when you get hurt and you're feeling any hurt or pain, is that you go to your father and let him pick you up and let him hold you and let him take care of you and let him comfort you and let his arms just be around you. That's how it should be. Listen, even picking Meg up when she fell, it didn't take away the scratches on her leg. But it brought comfort. And that's what, that's what it does when we go to the Holy Spirit. All right. One other thing. Two other things. Believes. Listen, they believe. Kids believe. You, I mean, they believe you. And sometimes you can use that in a bad way. Because I did it. I told my kids, like, look, them green beans, they taste like strawberries. They taste like chocolate. Seriously, they taste like chocolate. Because they wouldn't eat it. 
Then you tell them, it tastes like chocolate, seriously. Then they're like, Rawr! Then they realize, Daddy, you lied. But you ate your green beans. That's a good, you took a bite. When I was a camp counselor at school, at school, at camp, one summer I told her I was in charge of like 22 what they called cadets, and they were all 6 to 10 years old. And, um, and we had our time at the pool, so the lifeguards out there, and I told all my, all my guys, like, hey, y'all, come here. Everybody gather up. So they're all swimming. I said, you see that tile on the bottom of the, on the pool? They're like, yeah. I said, it smells like strawberries. They're like, what? It smells just like strawberries. They go underwater, and they sniff. They get water up their nose. They all come up coughing. I am laughing hysterically. No one else is. The lifeguard is not. Uh, other counselors are not. I just thought, <laughs> I didn't realize how hard some of them wanted to smell. Um, but they were all like, <laughs> and I was like, but here's the thing. I tell you the story to say I was a bad counselor. But I will, I will tell you this. It was amazing how they just believed you. How they just believed. What if we could be like that in the right way? When Jesus says, listen, I got you. What if we believe it? I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to provide for you. What if we believe it? Like really believe it. And we live our life in a way that that we are believing that God is who he is, that he's going to do what he's going to do. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. we got to be able to, to believe and have faith. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. we got to be able to believe. John 6, 26 through 29, Jesus is talking, and it, and it says, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs, because the crowd is following them. He says, but don't be concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life the Son of Man can give you, for the Father has given me the seal of his approval. Then they reply, we want to perform God's works too. So what should we do? Because they want to perform miracles. And Jesus told them, the only work that God wants from you is to believe in the one that he sent. That's it. Your greatest work is to believe. That's it. Believe. Believe what Jesus says. Believe who he is. Believe that he is the, the great physician. Believe that he is the provider. Believe that he is your source of strength and hope. Believe it. Believe it. He'll take care of you in it. Then the last thing, and I'll just say this. And, um, we won't, well, we, we won't put the scriptures up there. But let me just tell you this about children. And this is something that I think we need to make sure. Is children are shapeable and they're moldable. That's why that, when, when Shay was talking to our new children's pastor that's coming, she said we want to reach a generation before we have to rescue them. At the age of, of, of young kids, they don't have all these filters in place yet. They're, they don't see life how a lot of us see it. They've not been shaped in negative ways. They're, they're just fresh. We get to shape them in the right thing. And you know what, as children of God, this is what we need to do. We need to understand that he's the potter and we're the clay. And that he can shape us, inform us, and do whatever he wants to do with us. And as I, in Isaiah 64, it talks about that. It talks about us being the clay and him being the potter. And in Jeremiah, he actually tells Jeremiah at one point, he says, listen, I want you to go to the potter's bowl. I want you to see this because I want to tell you something. And the potter was making something, and then it wasn't what he wanted. And he kind of 
started over and put all the kind of mold of the clay back together to start over. And Jesus was saying when he's talking about the people of Israel, saying, listen, I can do the same thing. That I can take something that's not been working for you and I can change it up and I can put it on the wheel and I can reshape and remold and reshape you to be everything that you're supposed to be. And if we'll have that attitude and that heart with our father to say, look, as a child, I want, I want you to shape me. I don't want all these filters on my head about, you know, how I grew up, what I believe, the way I believe then. What am I supposed to believe right now? Who am I? Who are you? Reveal to me that. And don't let all this stuff that I grew up with. And not just Christian things, but even how we treat other people and how we see other people and how we see other races and how we see our government, how we see this. Listen, there's filters that you have allowed to be established in your life. We all have them. We got to say, God, reshape us. Reshape us to see this life the way you want us to see it. That's what we want. Let's pray.